you know, every now and then I go on Apple and I think I type in my favorite artist and it pulls up their Essentials album and it's like all their list of the bangers, the classic from this artist. Uh, I have to say, I think this is going to be one of ours when you pull up uh, the Leading Edge podcast and the most of the, this is going to be on our essentials list. This place where you're working in session with client, you're trying to figure out what level of depth of risk can we have? How good would it feel if we were to tell you we could give you some elements, some variables to help you in making that, de- that, in that decision tree? Well, that's what we're about to do. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. So even as we transition in today, I want, before we jump back into the topic, I know you're on the edge of your seat. You, if you have your notepad with you, you're ready to write down this decision tree. I might even be nice. I'm going to go to the show notes and I'll put in the show notes for you. So you put your pen down while you're driving. If you're exercising, get back on the treadmill. Um, <laughs> but we want to thank you. Um, man, I was going through just getting, you know, we're trying to, re- Joran and I are trying to really give our best in these podcasts. And I went and looked at the stats, Ryan. 85,000 downloads, you all. Thank you so much. Unbelievable. And really that hand clap is for you. Uh, And you know why I say that? That says something that you've gone through graduate training or maybe you're in graduate training. You paid a lot of money to learn and to grow and you're still out there downloading, looking for information. That says a lot about you also. Hand clap you because you're doing it for your clients. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you. All right, so let's talk about this. So. my hope today that you'll be able to leave with being able these in session variables that are happening in your case already that can help you really in your consideration of choosing what elements of experience to work with that day in that session. How risky do you want to ask people to go? How risky do you want to be? As as Sue would say, no risky, no gitty. How low can you go? Oh boy, this is it. I want to title the show, How Low Can You Go? That's it, man. I like it. By the way, I was never good at limbo. I don't know. I'm a little tall I'm shocked for that. by that, right? I know. I know. It hurts. <laughs> That's my childhood trauma. We'll get to that next week. All right, Ryan, you got it, man. Yeah. We, was, oh, sorry. What was uh, y'all see us stumbling on the show? We're going we're to give you a list of seven variables. Oh, that's right. I'm going to read the seven variables. So James is going to give it to us. Then we'll come back and review it again at the end of the episode. I feel like Buster. I'm talking about. I'm kicking new flavor in you. You know that was Craig Mack. Sorry. All right, ready. So I'm just going to read off these seven elements. Ready? So you can have them. Then we're going to unpack them. So the first element here is alliance with the therapist. Trust. Right. Then there's alliance with the process, the EFT process. How much do they trust it? Then there's going to be the number of sessions that you've had with them. How long have you been in this journey together? How many reps have y'all had on the on the Tango Dane's floor? Then there's a number of successful missions. If you don't know much about that, go back to our finish the mission episode. How many times have you helped them? Even the one right before this, you put vulnerability to a share and you've had uh, empathic responses. Then there's a tolerance window of the client that day, or the person particularly you're getting to share, right? Because they're both the client. But what's their tolerance window today? How much, how low can you go? All the way to the floor. Um, 
I'm, I'm feeling pretty free today. Anyway, number six, safety level with their partner that's in the room or partners, right? Number eight, the tolerance window. Uh-oh, where am I? Oh, that's right. Sorry, seven. <laughs> number seven, the tolerance uh, window of their with their partner. Or what? How? How? T- what's the tolerance window of the responder? Yeah, the right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, the yeah. responder. So we're looking at both those variables. All right, and there we go. All right, that's the seven. All Otherwise right, I said eight. Yeah, you know, James and I, we swim in EFT waters all the time. So I, I don't want to ever get ahead of anybody. Maybe you're brand new to the model or brand new to the field of psychotherapy. What we're saying is, how do you make the decision of how vulnerable, how deep, how personal, how intimate? You're asking someone to both feel and to share. And what I've seen is a lot of really good therapists who, like we said last episode, it's pretty exhausting to even get to vulnerability. When you get there, do you have a rhyme and a reason? Uh, I guess today's a music theme. Do you have a rhyme and a reason for which element of someone's experience you're asking them to share? Okay, so James gave you our list of seven variables you might consider. There might be 70. We're not, we're not ever trying to be exhaustive on this show, uh, but there's probably not. You know, you might just pick out four of these, and, and it's really, really important. So before I do that, I, we really have two lists on this podcast today. James, James read list one, which is the seven variables that you might consider, which helps you make a decision of how vulnerable you want your clients to get that day. The other list I'm going to give here, and it's a rough list, that is the level of depth of someone's experience. And I'm going to say these in an order, but I want to qualify. The human body doesn't have to work in order, necessarily. You know, roughly speaking, a trigger or a danger cue probably comes before emotion. But sometimes a trigger can trigger a thought, and then there's an emotion. Sometimes a trigger triggers an emotion, then there's a thought. I don't know. Uh, but roughly, we can't prove that on paper, necessarily, that the exact order in which the body brings something up. What we can show, though, is some things clearly take more confidence, more courage, and feel more risky than others. For instance, if I'm in a distressed relationship and you say to me, Ryan, will you tell me how you see the relationship, then I'm going to give you a story which we, in temp, we would call the attachment meaning, that doesn't feel that vulnerable to me. It's a little personal, but it's not so vulnerable. But if you were to say, Ryan, this pain that you feel, tell me the very first time in your whole life you've ever felt this way. Right? That would be a stage two kind of attachment history, individual trauma reach. So while memories can come anytime they want to, that's a very different risk you're asking me to share. So let's go over that. Roughly from more shallow to deeper and more vulnerable. I would say that the, maybe the, the most, I'm sorry, maybe the least vulnerable thing would be someone's protective behaviors. What do you find yourself doing in, in response to the cycle, so to speak? So protective behaviors, you could say that's at the top or near the top. Before or after 
kind of combined somewhat with protective behaviors is secondary emotion. Sue Johnson in recent years has stopped using the word secondary emotion because people then want to debate what's a secondary emotion, what's a primary emotion. You can't evaluate an emotion based on the word. You evaluate the depth of emotion based on what function it's serving. So if an emotional expression is serving to protect you or to pull you away from riskiness, it's, we define it as a secondary emotion or a protective emotion. They're usually fast, they're usually strong, and they're protective in nature. Just below that is where the vast majority of clients come in, fixated on, preoccupied on. It's really, really hard to get them out of this next level, and it's a trap for therapists. And that is the story the clients have constructed about their distress relationship. Really a problem with fixation there. I think it's one of the hardest part of this work. So many times people bring me cases and they describe their case and I just say, hang on, that's the story the client has constructed about their relationship. I need to know the actual moves. So the story is there. You know, just below that or, or next to that is what they think, sort of what the meaning that they've made about the, the uh, cycle and about their relationship. Just below that, it starts to get a little bit more vulnerable. We start to get into their, their real experience of their relationship. Right about that level, I would say, are the recognition of danger cues, or we've been calling them triggers. I think people underestimate how vulnerable it is for a client to tell you what triggers them. You see, because it's implied. If I admit that when you roll your eyes, it really affects me strongly, that is actually revealing of a longing. And if I'm not feeling so safe in the relationship or any of these seven variables, it's even hard for me to describe my triggers for you. Going below that would be primary emotion. And primary emotion is when you start to reveal self. It's putting your heart back in the game. And below that, what's still in primary emotion, is when you can hang out and stay longer in primary emotion and explore together. Even explore the primary emotions that are in your body about this relationship that you don't even know yet. It's a process of discovery and co-constructing a deeper experience. Levels below that, like I mentioned earlier, might be individual trauma. Before I met my partner, I experienced X, Y, or Z. Right along, along that same level might be attachment injuries in this relationship, a previous affair, a time of most vulnerable need when I most needed you and you didn't show up for me. I made vows to never trust you at that level again. Very similar level here, and we're in stage two, step five, if you're keeping score at home. If you don't know what that means, never mind. We'll see you at Core Skills. At that same level of sharing is model of self, working model of self, your sense of identity, shame, this level, which is tends to be a block in stage one, tends to be very, very welcomed in stage two. And what's below that? Most therapists try to start here as they're negotiating and mediating their relationship, but we do it last. Attachment needs. 
deep attachment longings. What would I need in my most vulnerable place? So you kind of see a ladder here of the elements of experience from very shallow protective behaviors down through stories and thoughts, down through primary emotion, down through deep personal experiences, and lastly, our biggest reach with attachment needs. What we're asking you to do here is to put these two lists in your mind, in your body, and learn to work these side by side. And we'll talk more about this after the break. We just want to take a minute and thank you for being a part of the Leading Edge podcast. We are really inspired and grateful when we hear from you in trainings or through social media about how this content is truly helping you push the leading edge of your learning and being able to apply emotionally focused couples therapy with your clients and some of you also in your own personal lives. And so at this moment, we just want to ask you to consider helping us out. Yeah, James, I appreciate you saying that. When we first started this, uh, we had no idea it would take off like it has. We get contacts from all over the world. So it's really cool to think that we're coming through your speakers and into your devices or however you listen to us. And uh, We appreciate that. It's really an honor. And like James is saying, we want to ask you to consider helping us make this sustainable. We've gone back and forth on how we want to handle money or, or if we want to involve that. But the reality is to make this sustainable, uh, we do need to do some things and make some investments. So we have a Venmo account. We would love to ask you to consider partnering with us and joining us to, to make this sustainable, to take this to other people who are trying to help others around the world and even the next generation of therapists. So you want to talk about how they can do that? Yeah, if you want to be a part and you can, to support us, you can go to on Venmo at LPC or on Cash App dot cock lpc with a dollar sign in the front and in the subject line just to help us know that you're a leading edge listener and you want to support us please put leading edge or here's a fun one we're doing we're playing with ryan put left in the comment line because you are part of the leading edge and emotionally focused therapy there you go so at doc hawk lpc yes correct okay all right and i want to say one thing really really quickly you know uh depending on where you are in life if you're living check to check if, if money is tight for you and or if you're somewhere and you're really serving an underserved population, please do not give us money. We do not want your money. We won't take it. We'll send it back somehow uh, because that's not what this is about. But if you're at a place where you're doing OK or maybe even doing really well and uh, ideas from this podcast, if you use them professionally for which you re uh, receive fees for your services, consider partnering with us. We've had people who've donated $300 or $50, whatever it is for you. We trust that uh, our listeners are going to make the best decision for them. We just want to make this available for you. You're welcome to continue joining us if you don't give. Man, um, whew, that ladder, I like it. And I guess what's resonating with me, I like it. I appreciate that we get the honor and privilege to work with a team um, of trainers and Sue that she's brought together that we wouldn't have this list if they hadn't trained Ryan and I, um, if they hadn't poured into us. And so I appreciate how we're, you know, we get the opportunity with you to take and consolidate all this great learning and just put it in different frames to help you understand. So Ryan, this ladder of being able to see and make a choice, man, because when we were in session, Ryan, 
you're right, man. My limbic system, just life right now has been whooping on us as therapists. We're work, walking through clients through so much. I mean, even though many of us aren't, you know, of course, we're not in the Ukraine right now. We're still being impacted by that, you know, watching it and seeing the human suffering. So then we come into session. We got our own stuff going on. We're paying the gas prices, too. <laughs> right. Man, I tell you, I'm going to ride my bike to work. I'm glad we're on a bike path. Right. Anyway. But then to be able to say, man, my clients are giving me so much here. How do I, my brain, grab what's important? And so to be able to take ladder one and ladder two here and be able to make some calculated choices, it makes me feel good. This is, especially a guy coming from the medical model, this really helps me. This, like, you just made a little bit more concrete on seeing these different levels of where to go. And I could be checking these off and thinking through these, like, have we done any of this? Have I grabbed these pieces and elements from my client? I don't know. That's what comes up for me when I when I heard your ladder. Yeah, yeah, and uh, again, the ladder piece is not so much about order, yep. and more about how risky it feels. That's right. And therefore, the variable list that James gave us, we want to use that roughly to choose how deep we want our ask our clients to both share and respond to. We want to dial that in with our attunement. It is an educated guess. There's nothing wrong with getting on the leading edge and pushing a little bit to see if they can take a risk. Some clients will surprise you. I've had many clients who I thought, man, they're, they're going to block me. They're going to be too reactive. But, I'll, but I made a space for them to try, and guess what? The, the love that they had for their partner overrode their blocks, and they were able to do it. But as a rule, you want to dial in your level of vulnerability based on some version of these seven things. So I like James's list. The first thing a person has to do to, to make new risks is to trust you, the therapist. Hey, can I jump on? Sorry, I know I hate you. Because right. you said a statement that was good. This also helps me. You know, we talk about enactments and slicing it thinner. This helped me just really think about this makes slicing it thinner. Maybe if you've not really been able to understand that. This will help you with understanding the slicing it thinner. Let me go back and just maybe do protective behavior instead of the primary emotion here. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes you get blocked. You just want to CPR it, give, give the protection a little bit of permission, and then see if people can do it. Other times with bigger blocks, you may want to go up the ladder a little bit. Up the ladder would be slicing it thinner. Yep. Good. That's well said. Yeah. So the variable list, just to re repeat what James said earlier, is the first thing people have to do to be more vulnerable and to put out a more clear signal is to trust you, the therapist. The second thing is they have to, at some level, trust the process. I personally don't spend tons and tons of time teaching my therapy model. I think that can be a distraction. But to some degree, they've got to feel safe in your office. I think that's a more valuable way to think about that. Number three, pay attention to number of sessions. If I'm wondering if I'm going to go into stage two or not, and I'm in session five, probably not. <laughs> it's just too early. Um, so that would be a, a, good, a good thing to think about. A, a big one is how many missions, so to speak, have you finished successfully? Uh, a more academic way to say that is how many really corrective experiences have happened in your office, whether those are stage one or stage two bonding events. That should really affect how risky your clients can go and how risky you should ask them to go. The most neurologically focused one is, what is the tolerance window of the client I'm working with right now, today? 
and the last two are, are very related. How safe does that person feel with their responding partner? And lastly, what is the responding partner's tolerance window? So what we're really saying is is the more of those you the more of those hurdles if you think about those as hurdles the more of those you've jumped over the bigger risk you want to seek the fewer of those hurdles you have jumped over the smaller or thinner risk you want to ask people to take does that make sense to you James it makes total sense to me, and I think this is going to be a great gift to our clinicians. This is one of those you can put on repeat, play a couple times. Uh, I'm going to do. I'm going to put both of these lists in the um, in the notes section, so it could be a ready resource for you. Just really appreciate you all so so much here. Yeah, so I want to give you a metaphor and some practical takeaways. Ooh. All right, so I remember being 16 years old, and I really wanted to be an athlete. Uh, in fact, I wanted to be a football player. The problem is I wasn't, and I was really, really tall and really, really skinny. I wish I had that problem now, but I remember my coach. My coach said, "You got to start eating, boy." <laughs> well, I do eat, but I was just growing so fast I couldn't put any muscle on. So he's like, "You know, let's get started lifting weights." So I started lifting weights really, really hard, and. What I got myself mostly into was just pain. Mm. I just hurt all the time. And six months later, guess what? I really wasn't any stronger. Because adding muscle and creating new muscle responses, it just takes time. Mm. You can't cheat reps. You can't just want to be stronger. You can't just have good intentions with your partner and have a secure bond. You have to earn things that last in life. Mm. And a secure bond is certainly one of those. It is like building a muscle, actually. So here's the practical takeaway and sort of the origin point of this episode. Again, I'm always impressed by the clinical skill and character of of the people that I supervise. So I'm seeing lots of people do great job assembling and then going into deeper places. And then I see several therapists who get right to the edge, and I'm like, this is about to be amazing. We're about to get on mission. We're about to like make this a training tape. And then they wobble at the last minute. Mm -hmm. So by wobble, what I mean is they just maybe don't think through what they select the risk of. Mm. So more specifically, what I mean is this. Most relationships need some wins. And what I mean by that is a mission or corrective experiences or enactments that get responded to. That's what I mean by wins. They need wins in primary emotion several times before you go any deeper. Mm -hmm. So if a couple hasn't each side gone into primary emotion, enacted, gotten a response back, and can take that in, you don't need to go any deeper, most likely, for a while. So I saw a tape in session five where this therapist did an amazing job, and the person had tears in their eyes, and I'm like, this is about to be amazing. And it was amazing. But a little bit of a, a, a misattunement, because the therapist says, what does this remind you of? Where does this take you? Hmm. And I hit pause, and I'm like, whoa, what just happened? And the therapist was like, what, what did I do? They just hadn't thought through this episode, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, I need, to, I need you to help them put those tears to words. Mm-hmm. I need you to get a clear signal of what the pain is and, and start helping them find each other and strengthen those small muscles to build enough muscle before we can go into trauma memories, before we can fully mm-hmm. open an attachment injury. 
before we can bring shame and for sure before we ask people what they need. Again, a lot of therapists start there and we're going to suggest that your deepest, most vulnerable attachment needs only need to be resurrected once the relationship is ready to hold it. Man, the metaphor that's coming up for me, and I just used this one in a success and vulnerability train I just did with George. And I think it's the mission of this podcast. You know, these are very dark places for our clients. Dark because of pain and they've been alone in it. They haven't been able to really connect with people there. Uh, but there's a lot of furniture in these dark rooms. <laughs> you know, when I go travel and do training run, I like to orient myself to what all the furniture in the room because eventually I'm going to have to get up to go to the bathroom. And I don't want to stub my toe on that desk that is in a different place than when I'm at my house. So it's good. Like, I think today's episode is about saying, hey, let us tell you about all the pieces of furniture that are in these these rooms clinically and for our clients experientially. So that way, as you walk around in that room, you know what to be looking for so you don't stub their toe. So you don't guide them into, you know, gouging themselves on the corner of a, of a, of a table. Just knowing it's there and being able to skillfully walk around in it because you know, and cautiously, because you know there's risk here, but you got to cautiously navigate working amongst those risk levels. Yeah. Yeah, generally speaking, some combination of these variables define how deep your clients can go. I hope that's coming across as redundant right now, So, because repetition is the key to learning. The title of this podcast is The Leading Edge. You can't find their leading edge unless you know these variables, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, we're just guessing. So if you don't know these variables and you just drop down into needs, you've blown out their leading edge and you've actually inadvertently set them up to fail. But also, if, if we've got some good things going on and we have some muscles built and we're still going off to, after really just super small primary emotions, you're not giving them enough of a challenge. We need to, just like weightlifting, as they get stronger, you gotta add weight. That's about the leading edge. I was like, that's the point why we did this at this podcast. And that's why it's the name it is. We've given you two episodes on why we do it, but this is it again. So you can take literally that list one that we did with the variables about, you know, where you are in the process and then helping that know, like we want to be able to walk further and further down that ladder with them on the other list, because this is about when we say helping you push your client's leading edge, they need to be able to walk down those places to where they are able to talk about their traumas, their negative models of self, their attachment needs. But you can't just jump in and do that without any kind of guided process. And that's where the first list comes in. So thank you all for letting this push your leading edge. It pushed our leading edge to even talk to you about it. But most of all, we want you to go and be able to push that leading edge with your clients to have success with them in their vulnerability. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, RyanRainerTraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.